Ladies and gentlemen, it is Wednesday night. We are in the Woody Hayes Athletic Center. It is time for Snappy Jays. That's Bill Landis, Jeremy Birmingham. I am Austin Ward, and Ohio State is one day closer to an exhilarating trip to Evanston, Illinois, where the forecast just keeps looking better and better. Saturday, 11 a.m. local time. Berm is so excited. All he's talked about tonight doesn't care about football, just on weather watch. Yeah, I talked to 13 or 14 different Ohio State players tonight after practice, and I asked every one of them their thoughts on playing in the rain, and all of them told me it doesn't matter. Huh. And I said, it only seems to matter to you. And I said, do you care that it matters to me? <laughs> and each one of them resoundly said, not at all. So not a one of them cared. I guess I'm. Uh, pr- I didn't get to talk to him. I was going to say Jasper. <laughs> uh, so I, I guess uh, I, I'm pretty much in the minority here, and that's fine. I'm not looking forward to Saturday. I, I, truthfully, I wasn't looking forward to Saturday, even if the weather was looking perfect. So, you know, it is what it is. Okay. Let's well, talk about football, though. I mean, that is, I think that's worth conversating about. Sure. Like, It'll yeah. change the game a little bit. If it's if the winds are gusting to 40 miles an hour, which that was the forecast earlier today. It, it did, The one I looked at right before uh, availability started with Ohio State tonight didn't seem quite as severe. Uh, I know that. It'll it gusts of thirty to forty. Who cares? They're, Chicago they're both has pretty earned bad. a nickname as the Windy City. I believe that's probably oh. for a reason. It's not because everyone there's flatulent. Well, we are playing Chicago's. We're not playing. We're not in the game. Ohio State is playing uh, Chicago's Big Ten team. So <laughs> Illinois. Uh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, like if if all we talked about is Ohio State's running game, and then it gets sloppy and and windy, there's going to be greater urgency for Ohio State to get that right, but. Yep. The opponent is still Northwestern, so that may not make any difference anyway. The last time we saw these two teams play, I don't think Northwestern could have stopped me if I was running the ball. <laughs> so uh, and they had good players then. So uh, that's mean. I take that back. Um, but they're just not very. They good. had a better collection of players then than they do now. Yes, they certainly did. That, that was a, that was a good version of Northwestern. This is not a good version of Northwestern. Um, Ohio State should be able to run the ball at will, regardless of the weather conditions. But it does put a premium on it. If well, you know, CJ Stroud's very good. I don't think he can force the ball through 40 mile, mile an hour wind gusts uh, for three hours. So I think that does matter. Um, but Ohio State should be able to line them up and, and run for 300 yards if that's what the, day, the weather calls for. Uh, Northwestern allowed almost 300 yards passing to Spencer Petrus and the Iowa Hawkeyes a week ago. So <laughs> the good news is, is that because 40 mile an hour winds could potentially shift a pass two or three yards in any given direction, Ohio State receivers will be open by six or seven yards at any given time. <laughs> a lot of room for error. A lot of room yeah. for error. So yeah. it may not be the like prettiest day, but I don't imagine it's going to affect people that much. You guys remember when uh, Ohio State played at Michigan State? I think it was in 2016, and JT Barrett like threw a bubble pass that went like this yeah. when the wind grabbed it. I've never seen a football do that before. It was a beautiful uh, off-speed curveball. It was. It was great. It worked out. Didn't, a little two-seamer. Didn't work out great <laughs> for the completion percentage necessarily, but... Uh, C.J. Stroud does have a much better arm strength. We've seen that this year. Yeah. And he's also throwing to Marvin Harrison. And if he just throws nothing but 10-yard slants, I bet he's probably going to be okay doing that. And again, he's playing Northwestern, which I don't – Pat Fitzgerald used to be able to at least say, hey, he's going to have a great defense. They're going to be fundamentally sound. And suddenly that's not even true. Um, doesn't seem great, but he also has unlimited power on that campus, and he's never going to be fired. So That is the weirdest thing. Like, you watched it, and that's why I wonder, like, what you get out of Northwestern this week, because we are actually going to talk about the Wildcats here for a second. Hmm. Like, they won their first game of the season against Nebraska in Ireland, and, you know, obviously Nebraska has been pretty inconsistent and at times pretty bad. 
Um, and they gave that game to Northwestern. They should be 0-8 if we're calling a spade a spade, if Scott Frost doesn't kick an onside kick for some reason. Oh, yeah, I forgot about um, that. Yeah, and, and, the original more on Monday. <laughs> That's right. And uh, they had stayed competitive for the first five, six weeks. They, they were fighting in their games. They did not do that against Iowa, and they were suffocated out of that game very early. They're not playing Ryan Helinski anymore at quarterback. They've switched out, and you know they're, they're trying to figure out where they're going in the future of their program, but... Clearly, this is not a team that I, I think is coming into this game with any sense of, like, we're playing this for pride. You know what I mean? Like, there's none of that. Who is a quarterback? Johnny Mnemonic? Johnny Mnemonic's brother, oh, Gary. Gary, Gary Mnemonic. Uh, no. He's he, got a big arm. I, I The kid's name is Brandon something. Mnemonic. Brandon Mnemonic. Um, I want to say, like, Brandon Allen or something like that. Um, he, Braylon Allen's brother. Here's the, here's the thing. Uh, uh, even though they stunk... And only scored 13 points against Iowa, which is more than they probably anticipated. He completed <laughs> 77% of his passes against Iowa, but they they averaged five yards per attempt. So it's not uh, an offense that's really going to push the ball downfield. So the weather may not impact them that much. Brendan Sullivan. Same as Brandon Allen. <laughs> um, it's a it's about as forgettable a name as you could possibly Is that a character from The Departed? Brendan Sullivan? Do you know that every time someone died in that movie, there was an X in the scene? Huh. Wow. Look, look for it, America. Look it up. This is why you came to the podcast for some snappy judgments. This this has been a fantastic breakdown of what we learned so far tonight. Because we haven't actually talked about anything we learned from Ohio State. So let's actually do that Sorry. for our audience. Sorry, everyone. Sorry. Uh, where should we begin? I, I appreciate it. I'm going to start for once uh, because I was v- very critical of the inconsistent play of Denzel Burke in September. And he did appear. Uh, tonight to explain that, uh, not to explain that, but to, in some ways he was because I was asking him about the shoulder injury in August, uh, the hand that, you know, wasn't fun in September and the complete lack of practice reps and how he thought that impacted him. And he, he was like, he didn't want to make excuses and he wanted to look to the, to the future. And I respect both of those things, but I thought it was, he did say, well, yeah, I mean, there's a new appreciation for what it actually means to go through a Tuesday, a Wednesday, and prepare to play at a high level on Saturday. Uh, that's, he's not the first person to say that. He won't be the last. But sometimes players have to go through a little bit of adversity. And last year was, quote-unquote, easy for him. He became a star overnight. And he hadn't had to deal really – he didn't play perfectly, but it did seem like that compared to the rest of the Ohio State defense last year. And he got a lot of attention in the offseason and a lot of buzz, a lot of name, image, and likeness opportunities. And – it's like, all right, well, it's just going to be easy. He's going to be the best cornerback in America. No, it turns out it doesn't work that way. Um, and I think that you're really seeing him trending in the right direction. And to hear him talk about that now, I remember being impressed last year when he talked how much confidence and swagger he had. And I'm like, wow, maybe this guy's a lot like Damon Arnett or Jeff Okuda with the confidence that they play with, or with the, that he played with. But there was a lot more humility tonight. And I think there's some of that that's valuable too. Yeah, I think that's not an uncommon path for a guy who plays really well as a freshman. I think more often than not, guys like that probably get smacked in the face with a dose of reality at some point. Um, it's probably beneficial to them in, in the long run, too. Um, Denzel has always kind of impressed me for, I don't, I don't know if like mature is the right word, but like kind of like a professional mindset, like almost operating as if he's already in the league, and maybe that's part of part of the issue. Yeah. Um, but I thought he showed a lot of maturity today with the way that he talked about things and was – he didn't say, like, you know, I haven't played well, but I, I think he understands that there was a level that he needed to get himself to. And, and I think he has 
for the most part, played at that level the past two weeks. He said something that I hadn't thought of, and I, I don't know if it's actually valid, but like thinking on it, it does make sense a little bit. He said, because of the nature of this defense, they're getting more pressure on quarterbacks. The ball's coming out faster than it was last year. Last year, they had to defend for a long time before the ball came out. And I do think, maybe for all these guys, there was a little bit of an adjustment at the beginning of the year for the timing of plays and, and when they had to start defending passes. And maybe they're starting to calibrate that a little bit now. Hmm, that makes that's sense interesting. It makes sense. I mean, there's a there's a term called sophomore slump. And like it, mm-hmm. it exists for a reason because a lot of times people have to come back to reality a little bit. And he wasn't the only one who mentioned being a little bit more appreciative of that. I mean, Jordan Hancock, who we talked to tonight, said the same thing. Like, when you go into a season and you have all these high expectations for yourself and all of a sudden it's just taken away from you, you have to recalibrate everything that you're doing and reset your mind and your expectation and 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 how to deal with other people's expectations. And uh, you can sort of see that, that these guys, and the cornerback situation is just, as we've talked about a few times this year, when the defense is playing well, no matter how good you're playing, there's going to be one group that's playing worse than everyone else because that's how it works. You can't, even if everyone's playing good, someone's still playing the worst of that group. Uh, and these cornerbacks have not been healthy. They've, we've been balancing in and out all year long with uh, with Cam Brown and Jordan Hancock and Denzel Burke rotating injuries, essentially. Um, it's exciting to think what that group can develop into over the next few months. Yeah, I asked Lathan Ransom about that specifically because it – it is staggering and it is worth a reminder to think that there has not been a point yet this season where Cameron Brown, Denzel Burke, Jordan Hancock, and then down the line, J.K. Johnson in the mix. Right? Like The top group of corners has not been available at one time. The complete complement of safeties has not played together at one time. And he, Lathan said, well, yeah, we, we want to restore BIA. We want that to be here. And I would think that it's pretty scary for anybody uh, about to face Ohio State, this is his words, but I agree with him, what's coming down the pike because they could still play seven games and they've yet to have the full complement together. Like Now, you have to get healthy, you have to stay healthy. You, There's no guarantee that once you get all back together that it's going to be permanent, but uh, that opportunity still exists for Ohio State that we haven't seen their best version of their secondary. Uh, Bill, what else did you learn? Um, I thought it was noteworthy that we saw Mayan Williams walking off the practice field. Um, was in his pads. No knee brace. No knee brace. Um, a little bit of a brace on the hand maybe, but nothing too crazy. Nothing that looked like it would prohibit him from playing if they wanted to play him soft this shell. week. Yeah. I think it was only – was it just I tape? think it was I just tape, yeah. it, might have just, it might have just been tape or like a soft brace or something. But um, I guess I guess like he, he emerged from the outdoor field looking how you would want a guy to look if he was intending on playing this week. I guess we'll see what happens when we get that availability report, but I thought that was encouraging. I think he was walking – with more <laughs> more, pep. more energy and more pep in his step than 32 was. I think that in a game like this where you expect maybe some weather and the running game is maybe a, an important factor, we, we think about going into this week and say, oh, maybe you don't need to play Trey, maybe you don't need to play Mayan. But if you have guys like Dallin and, and Chip Trainum handling the ball who haven't handled it much, when you have super wet grass and it's going to be super tall wet grass, like I think maybe you want these guys to it's a good point. play a little bit more than maybe anticipated. Um, I was just really impressed by talking to uh, other guys. I didn't. I, I asked Tommy. I, you know, Tuesday I said that I think Jim Knowles is going to let one out uh, essentially on Saturday. 
out against Northwestern. Well, what? No. I thought it wasn't called Windy City because of flashing. That's what it was. <laughs> Make up your mind. In this case, it is. Uh, going to open a window uh, in the press box. I, I, I said I really think that he's going to like unleash some stuff. Burp, stop. <laughs> um, really Find gonna, another word. We're going to gas it out against Northwestern. And uh, a Dutch oven, those guys. So I actually asked Tommy Eichenberg just quickly, and he talked. So that was good. Uh, and I said, because well, hey, there were no cameras. I on. said, you know, Tommy, how did you feel after Saturday? And he said, I couldn't sleep. And I'm like, you had 15 tackles, but I missed one. And like, I just feel like that type of mentality is not something they had a year ago. And so, I don't want fans or readers, watchers, listeners to be like, oh, these guys are just dismissing these guys because the players are certainly not. But yep. Uh, there's such a different approach than there was a year ago to this entire defensive unit that you it's the word you said for Denzel Burke was correct. It's like a professional mindset for all of these guys. And I asked JT to I said, you know, the worst part about what you did on Saturday is now everyone thinks you're going to have to do this every week. And he said, you're right. I have to. So like they get it. We, we can joke a little bit about how bad Northwestern is and they're also very, were we joking? I I was serious. We can, we can, we can speak in jest about the game because we don't think that there's any chance Ohio State can lose, but these guys are not taking that approach, and that, that continues to be the important thing. As you play a three-week stretch where you, the biggest test Ohio State faces over the next three weeks is not becoming complacent. If you're wondering, Jackson Smith and Jigba was here for Ohio State uh, at, at practice, did not have shoulder pads on. My belief, based on numerous sources, is that it would still be uh, a month from the time of the second setback, just as it was from the previous one before. Uh, so if you're doing the math, and there was an, another report elsewhere that the best case scenario would be Michigan. That is most likely correct. Um, but he is here, and that uh, goes back to what we talked about for the previous two months, that he has not packed it in. He is not leaving. He's not going to train for the draft. He's not given up hopes of playing for Ohio State this season. I know that uh, a lot of you are tired of hearing about that, but he is one of the best players in America, and I'm going to continue to pay attention to what that means for him. Because guess what? Even if he can't play against Michigan, there could be three games after well, that. that. That is the bottom line. Like There is value for both Jackson Smith and Jigba and for Ohio State for him to continue to play. Jalen Waddell scored a touchdown against Ohio State in the national championship game in 2020 after missing the entire season. Yeah, like one leg, basically. So yeah. like <laughs> it, you, you add a player like that to what is already the best offense in the game, and things get a little bit, you know, scary for other people. So the fact that he continues to want to be here, I think, is the most telling thing. Yeah. Um, talk a little bit with Juwan, Dewan Jones and Parrish Johnson about the run game stuff. I find their perspective on it interesting. And even, like, I know Ryan Day got maybe a little defensive about it, but I think it's because they all believe that, like, it's not perhaps as bad as the stats would project it to be. Um, Dewan Jones said, like, they look at the film and they see a lot of runs that, Looks like they're blocked pretty well, or or there's just one thing that's off, and, and that run can get out. So, I think they believe that they're not as far away from kind of cracking that code, maybe as it, as it seems sometimes. And I I tend to agree with that, based on the stuff that we've seen in the last two games. And and I do find it encouraging that both weeks they did figure it out in the end. I think that 41 yard touchdown run by Trevion Henderson can be a tremendous confidence boost for for a group that's trying to run the ball better, and, and they seem to believe that as well. So I'm I'm curious to see what that looks like this week. It's it's a game where you can kind of get right if, if you want to and you want to focus on it. Actually, the, the next three weeks are probably that. Um, statistical outputs, I think, don't mean much in the long run because it's just not a good defense they're facing. But I think you can build good habits again and get into a little bit of a rhythm. 
I think we can safely assume that Ryan Day will want to prove a message, send a, send a message, prove a point, uh, or, or mix metaphors, whatever he wants to do on Saturday. We'll guess we'll find out, but I think he'll want to run the ball. There's been this notion that he's, uh, obsessed with helping CJ Stroud win the Heisman trophy out there. I don't think that that's necessarily the case. CJ's just so good that a lot of times he can snap his fingers and put three touchdowns and 350 yards on the board. Um, maybe the weather won't allow that. I don't know. It's a lot we've talked about on Saturday with the forecast, but no matter what, I think especially because it's sort of the, the irritation that they feel in this building about the last two weeks running the football, they were probably going to do that no matter what this week. Yeah, and I don't think that this is a game where, you know, I know how much Ryan Day respects uh, Pat Fitzgerald and, if Ohio State can pour it on on Saturday, I think you're going to see him pour it on on Saturday one way or the other. So uh, if that's just going out and running it every play because Northwestern can't stop that uh, or, or passing it every play, if the weather, if the wind dies down and stays a little bit more moderate, then they're going to do that. I don't think this is a game where I don't think this is a game where we see Ryan Day and Ohio State be like, OK, we've, we've done enough. I think this is I think the mindset is, OK, enough. Let's let's go out and and, and obliterate someone. So. Uh, I feel bad for Northwestern. Yep. That uh, opportunity is coming Saturday at 11 a.m. Central Time. The podcast and Donning the Eyes will be there for full coverage as always. Uh, appreciate everybody joining us for some Snappy Jays on a Woody Wednesday. That's Bill Berm. I'm Austin. We'll be right back at it uh, with the podcast daily on Thursday morning. We will see you there.